Hello there. Going through a divorce? Considering one? Sorry to hear that. But here you are. Welcome to Splitsville. You'll find Splitsville to be a pretty unique place. A new world, really. With its own rules, its own expectations, and in many ways, its own language. But don't worry. You have a knowledgeable guide along the way. A family law attorney with three decades of experience under her belt. And now, here she is. Your host and guide, Lee Sellers. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Welcome to Splitsville. I'm your host and guide, Lee Sellers, founder of Touchstone Family Law. And in this episode, I'll be answering another question that many newcomers to Splitsville have. How do the holidays work? So let's dive in. So... There's so many changes with a divorce and separation that you have to confront, but especially this time of year, uh, many people are going through their first set of major holidays as a divorced or separated parent. And there are so many challenges, but if you haven't even approached the separation or divorce mark and you're just thinking about it, you may be wondering, well, how does that work? You know, what what should I expect to happen if I make this decision and if I separate from my spouse? How are the holidays going to look going forward? And the court system and therefore lawyers have basic guidelines that they've seen imposed on parents over the years that give real clear guidance to the parents about who the child's going to be with during the holidays. And obviously, courts are resolving conflicts, and attorneys who help people negotiate agreements are trying to memorialize an agreement that hopefully will avoid conflict. So the key is that anytime uh, parents agree on how they're going to handle a situation and they're not in conflict, you can do what you want. So you don't have to follow the rules or the guidelines that are set out by a court or by your your document, as long as you're mutually agreeing to alter it. So many people will come in here and they've lived apart for four or five years and they've just been working together and and making plans um, each year, taking things as, you know, the situation seems to warrant any given year. And they don't really have a structure and they're not really looking for a structure. But the reason structures are put in put in place is when you are fighting and you don't have a structure to fall back on, then you really are just going to ruin the holidays. Um, you're going to spend so much time fighting for control of the situation and to get your way that the whole holiday goes up in flames. And so the reason the courts are very serious about putting a structure in place and anything they do is they're going to prevent that. And if you can avoid the need for that structure, well, then, hey, that's great. You, you know, they've they've not hurt you at all by putting it in place, but it's there for when things go south. So the most common holidays that you're going to find in court orders or agreements that most all attorneys are going to ask you about are the major ones that you would see in school breaks. So spring break, um, Easter, Thanksgiving, uh, winter slash Christmas break. Those are major times when your children are out of school. And so those are the ones that the um, attorneys in courts most um, attempt to get some sort of uh, answer between two parents about. Right now, we're approaching Thanksgiving. We're approaching 
Christmas, we're approaching Hanukkah, we've already just experienced Jewish New Year. There's a lot of holidays in in the last part of a calendar year. So what generally will happen is that the courts want to alternate or divide the holidays. And the choice between alternating or dividing is generally measured by how long the holiday is. So you're going to find that the courts are going to ask parents to alternate Thanksgiving, even or odd years, and they're usually going to define Thanksgiving by the time that the school that the child attends breaks for Thanksgiving until they resume for Thanksgiving or maybe the evening before they resume um, from Thanksgiving. So typically you're going to see Wednesday when school lets out until Sunday night before school resumes or Monday morning when school resumes. And generally you're going to find an alternating pattern of even odd years. For winter break or the longer holiday in December, generally, if parents are celebrating Christmas, what a court will do is is try to break that holiday in half, but using the holiday as um, the Christmas holiday as the break point. Now, that's not halfway through. But if a family both celebrates Christmas, they're trying to give each parent and the extended family some time to celebrate the Christmas holiday. So you'll often see that the proposals include one parent getting the child from when school recesses for the holiday until sometime on Christmas Day or very early in the morning on the 26th. And then the person who picks up the child late on the 25th or early on the 26th, we'll have the remainder of the school break and we'll return the children the evening before school resumes or the first day of school in the new year when it resumes. The reason and the thought process behind that is you want to give a family at least every other year a full intact Christmas celebration with all the trimmings. Uh, So that rather than making the focus on the child when they have to leave things or what they have to leave out, the child can simply be with the extended family and do whatever that family does for, you know, the 23rd, 24th and 25th and not really be disrupted by exchanges or having their visits uh, with some family members cut short simply because other family members are appearing. And then the next year, obviously, the parent who missed it will will have that same experience with with their extended family. But by moving the child to the other household pretty quickly on the 25th or early on the 26th, you still could have a celebration for the Christmas holiday with the child. Because, you know, if you don't really look at the whole season as disappearing or evaporating at midnight on the 25th, there's really nothing wrong with, with completely continuing to celebrate Advent for a little bit longer. So that's really the idea. And if you notice, I've used the word a lot about the child, child's experience. And that's really what the courts are looking at. They're looking to try to make sure the child has a wonderful experience for these holidays and continues to, to build good memories surrounding them. Easter often is aligned with spring break. And for that reason, sometimes the parent who's getting spring break um, will get Easter. Some schools don't actually keep them aligned at the same time. And so then you may see that Easter's being alternated every year and spring break's being alternated every year. Spring break's long enough to where some families will decide that they're going to split it. And what some families will do is say, hey, 
I will have my child the regular weekend that I have them, and I'll just extend it through the middle of uh, spring break, or I'll pick the child up in the middle of spring break and keep them through the end of my weekend. And you'll see that a lot with people who don't take full weeks off from work or don't traditionally take a long trip or make a big deal about going somewhere for spring break. And they're both in town and they're both working. And so they're like, hey, this gives me a little extra time um, to parent. Maybe I can take a long weekend. So it's either alternated or divided. And that really depends on the families and personal preferences. Courts will most often just simply alternate it. And typically what we'll find is if your family is not getting the first part of Christmas, then the court will have that be the year that you will get Thanksgiving. So what you're going to find is if you have Thanksgiving in even years, then you get the second half of the winter break in even years. And if you don't have Thanksgiving in an even year, you're going to get the first part of the winter break or Christmas. If you do not celebrate Christmas, then what you're going to find is that the court will take the winter break and just break it down the middle. And there are a lot of other holidays that need to be considered. And so the important thing to remember when you're meeting with an attorney is be prepared to go in and discuss when you're talking about custody, what are your religious traditions, if you have any? What are your family traditions, if you have them? So if you have a family reunion every year, Memorial Day weekend, then that's going to be important for your attorney to know that you need to try to find some way to secure your children's attendance at this family reunion to maintain that that tradition and maintain that connection with all of these extended family members. And so you need to see what you need to do to make sure you get Memorial Day weekend every year. And so the same thing happens with Thanksgiving and Christmas. You really want to be prepared to discuss what the traditions have been while you were married, what the children have experienced while you were married surrounding these holidays so that your attorney can help you prepare for court or for negotiations with a real true understanding of what your family specifically does, because it's unique. Everybody does something for the reasons that work for their family. Once you've done that, however, that's where the real work begins because you've really taken time to take stock and inventory and explain what you have been doing as a married couple. And now we're going to have to shake things up and make changes. So one of the first things that you're going to have to really understand when you're divorcing or separating is that you're going to have to transition. Things will not continue exactly the way that they have gone while you were married. And you just have to understand that that's one of the byproducts and one of the consequences of a marriage ending is that uh, there will be a transition and there will be change. And I often have a parent come in and say, we just want the children to be impacted as little as possible. We just want very little to change. We want their Christmas morning to be exactly the same. That may not be the most realistic expectation, and you need to be prepared that your life will change, and so will theirs as it relates to holidays and celebrations. Do remember that the most important way to make successful transitions for your children about holidays as you divorce is to remember to put the children first. Every advocate out there for children, whether they're therapists, judges, social workers, or attorneys, are going to tell you that the key is the children for these holidays if you have children. If you don't have children when you're separating for your ex, 
things are are actually a little less complicated. They're simply less logistics. They may be just as sad for somebody who's lost a significant other and lost the traditions that they had when they were celebrating. But most people will come up with new traditions when they don't also have children in the mix. So if you have children, remember that the focus needs to be on them. And you have to look at how they're handling the transition. You have to look at how long it's been that you've been separated as the holiday comes up. Certainly, if you're separating during the holidays, the experience is very different than if you separated in February and the children have already had a little time to adjust before that first holiday period comes up. And you need to make sure that you keep your expectations for how your holiday experience is. You need those to be reasonable. You need those to be sort of in line with openness and change and new beginnings and a spirit of cooperation. And as much as possible, you need to try not to dig in. So rituals and traditions for families are very important. Um, and what you're really going to be looking as looking at is, what can I change? There may be things that are just impossible to change. And there's just not much you can do about it. I think the biggest challenge is families that are distances away, where perhaps what the the marriage relationship has allowed is that every Christmas has been, you know, in Indiana or Washington State or a really long distance. And the children have always gone and spent the entire break with that one side of the family. And, you know, suddenly we're truncating that dramatically. And if you've got the short part of Christmas, uh, there could be a real challenge if you're in Indiana and you're expected to have your children back at 9 a.m. on the 26th. You're putting your children on a plane on Christmas Day or trying to travel during the busiest holiday seasons. Well, you know, that's not going to work real well for you. And and yet at the same time, you don't want to prevent children from being able to go and see family members that that live a long distance away. So you're going to have to be creative and you're going to have to figure out what you can give up. And some of those solutions may involve having family members work with you and cooperate. And maybe grandma and grandpa travel to where the child is and stay in your home to make sure that the child can see both mother and father during the holidays. And so you have to look and see what sacrifices people may be able to make to support you during this time. And Sometimes there's not that much you can do, and it it can become more challenging. And then you're having to look to the spouse to see what concessions will they make. Are they willing to let you not bring the children back to the 28th so that you can have Christmas? And they might be, as long as you're willing to do something special for them that's important for their family and their traditions. And maybe that is that they get 4th of July every year because their families always had a beach house 4th of July. And so... You know, maybe that's something you give up to make sure that when it's your year to have Christmas, that you can have the children a little bit longer into the break to uh, facilitate those changes. There's lots of things people can do, but the real key is cooperating. The real key is deciding what concessions you can make for your ex and his family or her family and what concessions you're going to ask for. This is a real opportunity to reinvent things and establish really good communication patterns and a really good system of give and take. If you can negotiate the holidays with your soon-to-be ex 
successfully, where you both give and take, you've really laid a foundation for having some very difficult conversations and difficult negotiations as things change, because you could have new spouses that'll need to be negotiated. There could be new weddings with new significant others that you want your children to participate in. There could be a whole new step family involved or step siblings or even new children born. So if you can successfully get through the emotional minefield of of making sure that you both have intact, happy holiday experiences right out of the gate, you really are going to find that you are going to be able to successfully handle some of these other holidays and, and interesting life changes as they come up. So we really try to get people to spend a lot of time about that. So what if this is your first year and you're trying to navigate it? There's some other common questions that people sometimes call and ask. And it's kind of interesting. A lot of people ask, should they have their ex come over, um, even though it's not their year for Christmas, and have them be there to see what Santa Claus brought? Should they still, you know, try to go to church together on Christmas Eve? If both of the families live in the same town, should they simply try to do any kind of combined celebrations? What, you know, what do you do? And the question is, you have to do whatever works well. And if you can be together with your ex and their family without stressing yourself and your children out immeasurably, uh, then yeah, it's a great time to show some goodwill and some model some good behavior for your children. If you cannot, and it's just going to be the most tense situation in the world, then you may need to realize that you're not there yet and not set yourself up and set your children up for some failure. So you have to remember during this time to just do really what you can do. Making an effort and stretching yourself is important, but don't set yourself up for failure. It's just not worth it. It's supposed to be a wonderful holiday season for people to really be focused on their families. And you just don't want to make yourself so miserable that all you do every year is, is just wait for it to be over or dread it to coming. I think the most challenging thing for any parent separating or divorcing is coming to terms with that holiday without their children. The first Christmas that you don't see your children on Christmas morning the first Thanksgiving that you sit at a table with your extended family and your perhaps siblings and nieces and nephews and your children are not there. Um, the first Christmas Eve service that you go to without your children or the first night of Hanukkah when your children aren't there to light a candle. Anytime that your children are absent from a family tradition that you have focused on on them or are having them there, is going to be tough. And the best thing you can do is prepare and prepare early. You need to be thinking about what you're going to do to celebrate the holiday, what you're going to do to take care of yourself. And you need to make sure that you have a plan in place because you don't want your children to be worried about you. One of the things that can ruin children's experiences when they're navigating going between houses is just worrying about the other parent. So if you don't have a plan that you can happily say, oh, sure, on Christmas Eve, I'm going X, Y, Z, or on Christmas Day, I'm, I'm you know, going to a soup kitchen this year and I'm going to be volunteering my time, or, you know, I'm going to go to a nursing home and, and help them with some of the patients that don't have family to come visit them. 
coming up with something that you can say you're doing joyfully with your children is good for you and good for them. And I'm not talking about coming up with something that makes them feel like they're missing out. So, you know, yeah, I'm going on a cruise to the North Pole might not, you know, come across real well if children have been interested in going on a cruise to the North Pole. But we're just talking about making sure that you have a plan, that you're spending time with friends. There's often a lot of uh, support groups that stem where families that are on the same holiday schedule, um, friends that together know that they don't have their children in the same year. So often start bonding and and doing their own thing by, you know, and it's the the year they don't have their kids for Christmas and they'll travel or they'll go do some volunteer work or do some project. But you want to make these plans early and and know what you're going to do and communicate them clearly to your family members on what you expect and how you expect to be treated. And you have to do what you need to do. I know there was a, a classmate of mine who wrote an article one time in the uh, alumni publication, and she talked about going and traveling because it was just too painful for her to participate in the holiday at all. She just simply could not come up with a substitute for it. Um, her divorce was later. Her children were eight or 10, so they had more traditions established by that time. And she tried to simply move on and and do the traditional holiday celebrations with her children absent. And after a couple of years of doing it, just found it did not work for her. And she just needed to literally leave. And she did what, what worked for her and what worked for her family. And I think that it's just important to be honest about what you can achieve. Always make sure that you're being careful to take care of the extended family. Sometimes you may have to do a good talking to to your extended family to keep them from being too difficult about the absence. I know one of the things that we've had reported is it's really stressful for children when, you know, the extended parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles keep telling them how much they're going to miss them or keep telling them how sad it is that they're not going to be there. That really does not help the children. What you want to coach the extended family on is, is to simply wish the child the merriest and happiest of holidays and tell them that you know they're going to have a wonderful time and you can't wait to hear about it. It's going to make you feel better and it's going to make them feel better. And it's just an important way to, again, set an example for your children of what they can expect when their parents have to give up something. Because the children have given up a lot too. Their lives are going through changes and they don't have the family structure that they had before these parents make this decision without their input, without their okay. So going ahead and modeling a graceful way of, of handling the transition is really setting the bar for your children in how they handle themselves. Uh, most psychologists will say, above all, just don't be the victim. Don't act like a victim and don't create it like it's a, the most catastrophic experience in the world that things have not remained the same, that things haven't gone the way that they did before. And I will tell you that this is definitely more challenging for the person who didn't want the divorce or separation than it is for the person who did want the divorce or separation. If you didn't want this thing to happen at all, then every change that you're being forced 
to encounter about your life, about your children, about your family is just that much more frustrating and upsetting and emotional for you. So it is completely understandable if you're having a rough time with it and if it's a challenge with you. Um, The person who made the decision that they were going to end the marriage has already had to process this, and they're a lot further along the curve. And that's why they may be a little bit willing to make more concessions to make it a little more palatable in those first years. The minor holidays we call Labor Day, Memorial Day, some of those long weekend holidays that just create uh, long breaks during the, the school year. And that's just because... Typically, the rule is that if there's a holiday on a Monday or a Friday, the parent who has the children on the weekend just extends their weekend by that day. So if those quote unquote minor bank holidays are actually important to you, you need to speak up and and say so early because otherwise you could find yourself with some sort of schedule that completely ignores an important function in your life or an important celebration. For example, Veterans Day. If you're a military family or you've had someone in service or somebody that's lost someone in service, well, Veterans Day is more than a bank holiday to you. For families that have never actually experienced a lot of military involvement in their lives, they may not go to the parades. They may not go to visit a gravesite. They may not sit together and remember their family members who have served the country and and given the ultimate sacrifice. So don't be offended if everyone doesn't look at the important holidays and events in your life the same way you do. What you want to do is just be prepared to discuss it and explain why it's important and set out a solution as to how you want that. And there can be other things that aren't really holidays that are important milestones. A death of a family member is often marked annually, or a birthday of a lost family member is often still celebrated. And just be prepared and be sensitive to deal with all of these issues when you're going through a divorce and separation. And you'll just find that the entire parenting relationship with your ex can be improved so much by just successfully navigating these very important traditions and holidays. So there you have it. Another neighborhood of Splitsville explored. There's still so much to learn here. So I hope you'll tune in to the next episode. While Splitsville is not a fun place to be, thankfully it is full of helpful people, valuable resources, and sound advice if you know where to look. See you next time. The insights and views presented in Welcome to Splitsville are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. If you're ready for compassionate and reliable legal guidance on your journey, contact Lee Sellers and her team at www.touchstonefamilylaw.com.